Hi everyone, I'm Lucy Ravenwood. Welcome to Bound for Success, a podcast filled with insights from successful entrepreneurs, career inspiration, and a look at the business landscape on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. So today I'm delighted to welcome Fida Adra from Comlink. Thanks so much for joining us, Fida. Oh, thank you for having me. So we just wanted to get a bit of an understanding about what Comlink does. Um, Can you tell us what your day-to-day looks like and uh, what the business is? So Comlink is in the business of helping people age well. So we're not your typical aged care provider. You know, we provide services to help people obviously stay independent, connected to their community. But I believe our special touch is how do we help people find their purpose, continuing to provide services that provide information and education for living well mm-hmm. and ageing well. Terrific. And how did you come to be at Comlink? Can you, can you give us a bit of a, uh, I suppose, from university or sort of end of school, so where did you end yep. up? Okay, so I started my first position, I was an EA to a bank manager. Mm-hmm. I didn't go the traditional route of education. I, I left school early. I went and did a, a sort of a diploma in business, but it wasn't really my aim is to be this amazing business leader. I just wanted to get some experience. So I was an EA to an amazing um, female leader who was very strong and had great leadership skills, but she was compassionate. So that was my first exposure in terms of a a position. And then um, from there, I um, got married and had children, and I ended up being a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Wow. And so, and that was in Queensland, um, where I did a lot of the stay-at-home position, Mm -hmm. one of the most challenging positions of life. And... Um, then I wanted to get back into the workforce and I'd lost my confidence. Mm-hmm. I thought, really, what is it that I want to do? Um, needs to be within children's hours, you know, often looking at what would suit everybody else, not what do I actually really want. But I was really fortunate to um, have someone say, well, there's this position in the not-for-profit space for a program that helps youth find work experience and they only need someone for a year because they're losing their funding, they've lost their clients, it's not doing great. So just come in for a year, could you do that? And I saw that as a great opportunity to say, well, you know what, I'll pick up some skills along the way. And I had not not a clue what I was doing when I first started. I just Mm -hmm. told them, yep, I'll be able to do it. I faked it and and got into that role. Um, By the time that, and this organisation was only turning over about 70,000 a year. Okay. So it was very small. small. I worked at Kiwana High School, mm-hmm. um, at the school there. and um, But by the time the year ended, I'd made them a $30,000 profit. And they said, well, let's re- try and get a renewal of contract. Just kept growing it until it was turning over $2 million, um, wow. within the five-year period. Okay. So it was actually that role that I met some people that said, could you somehow come and do the same for this organisation, which was called back then... Caloundra Hack. Yes. And it was in Caloundra. And okay. it was a small organization run by volunteers. Yes. Little Grey House and a, a lot of really amazing people running a service on a tight budget. It was a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So to leave a really secure, you know, I finally got this role yes. in doing well yes. to starting again. Yes. For another not for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it. I moved, obviously. 
And um, and now with Comlink, we're Queensland-wide, um, we'll be getting close to 19 million a year. Yes. And um, just, yeah, that's something I've just found a talent for, which yeah. was helping small organisations that do an amazing job just create more work and it all came from that space of wanting to do good and wanting to do more. Okay. And I think that really did help. Absolutely. So if we could just delve a little bit more into some of the detail of how do you approach coming into a small organisation and turning it around? What What's the approach, you know, when you first go into that yeah. organisation, what's going through your mind and how do you turn it around? Uh, for me, what I found I did naturally that worked very well and in my, my favour is to learn every single role yes. that is required of this, this, this business. Mm-hmm. So in the aged care space, for example, you know, the bookings, the scheduling, but then I'd go to government meetings to find out what is it they're looking for, yes. you know, in a business for us to achieve more government funding. So I would do that high level, but then I'd be back helping at the centre, serving food. Someone needs to go to the toilet, I put my hand up, you stay, I'll help. It didn't matter what I was doing. I just wanted to make sure I learned what it is that is so special about it. And then I added a really great business mind to it. So not-for-profits saw themselves as poor. Yes. And they often see themselves as it's okay not to have. Yeah. Um, but it's an actual business at the end of the day. It should be creating a surplus should be using that surplus for good and so I started to apply really just um, you know business principles yes. to it which means collaboration negotiation you know um, starting to hire staff they ran on volunteers, volunteers. only mm. and you can't really grow just doing that yeah not to the same capacity mm. but we've got 220 volunteers now and we've got 210 staff so volunteers stay still play a critical part but if I can give anyone any advice about that is every time I see we've lost our way, I go back to what made it great at the beginning. And if that still exists, we're doing well. Yeah. So absolutely. never forgetting that. Yes, for yeah. sure. Getting back to basics, it sounds like that's been a core part of your approach and yeah. just going in, understanding what makes sense and understanding the people and yeah. what they do. So yeah. I think that's really critical when, you know, a lot of, leaders especially for the further up the chain they are probably don't have a great grasp of what all of the people who are the doers um, actually do on a day-to-day basis so yeah that's a really interesting approach um so in terms of uh i suppose the the size of comlink and what what region does the organization cover and and why was it established in the first place um now it covers uh, 11, part, 11 regions okay. of Queensland. Mm-hmm. Our head office is on the Sunshine Coast, and obviously we have a regional office here. It came out of community members that lived in Caloundra mm-hmm. and saw a need, and they lobbied the government for yeah. a vehicle yeah. and just to get people to hospital appointments, shopping. So you lose your licence as you get older mm-hmm. at some stage, and it was helping those particular people. So I loved that fact it was community that lobbied for services yes. in their area. And look at where it is today. Yeah, sure. It now helps 34,000 people. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of lobbying government, I mean, that's 
it's not something you just know how to do. How have you approached that as, as a, I suppose, a new skill um, coming into something like this in order to grow the businesses you've worked with? Um, so initially what I what I tried to do is create uh, positions for myself. Mm-hmm. So setting up a peak body. At, at, back then it was community transport, so I helped set up the first Queensland um, uh, peak body. Mm-hmm. Then a, a national one, so I got together all the peak bodies of Australia and I chaired that. Yes. So that enabled me to be able to influence policy. Now, I can't say that I went, oh, okay, this is the way to do it. Yeah. I just am very proactive. So mm-hmm. there's a problem, I look for a solution. Yeah. And the solution was if you can't influence government by just sitting a CEO, yes. a peak body does. So yes. to me it was like logical. Yeah. There was a, a gap. And so, yeah, it's just looking at a problem and then trying to find a solution for it. And then from there, just listening. I, I never go into anything um, knowing any answers, sometimes yes. zero answers. But I learn so much. And then once I feel I'm equipped with the information, the education, the knowledge, etc., I then am a powerhouse of contribution. Yes, yeah, fantastic. And uh, in terms of the the aged care industry, obviously that landscape is ever-evolving. How do you think the Royal Commission into Aged Care is is going to impact the industry longer term? Everyone's heard the really sad stories of the Royal Commission findings. It's distressing um, when you listen to how people could be treated that way. Uh, I really welcome the Royal Commission and um, and what it's done so far. I think that they've also realised that a lot of the decisions that government have made are the reasons why we are where we are today. Okay. Um, service providers or people providing care, for the majority, they're doing an amazing job. Um, but the, they are continuously challenged. Um, but the good news, I always say there's really good news, is now people like that are younger are saying we don't want to be that when we get older. So you, you're seeing um, innovators, architects, in a whole range of entrepreneurs saying how can we age better? Mm-hmm. There's all these biohacking yes. um, things that are coming out <laughs> yes. from even down to uh, robotics, um, health and living at home, technologies that will help us stay at home. So I think the Royal Commission has now pushed the information out there at what it can actually look like to age, and it's not great. Yeah. And that things need to improve, Mm -hmm. and there are people now ready to do that. And I think they're collaborating. There's some more collaboration. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I I suppose on that, um, you know, innovation and collaboration note, um, you've recently launched the Vitality Village on the Sunshine Coast. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what that's going to mean for the region moving forward? Look, it's one of my most exciting projects that I've ever been part of, and it's the most ambitious. Mm -hmm. This project is, (laughs) it's about um, collaboration. It brings together the not-for-profit, private and public sector to innovate in the space of health and wellbeing. So we are saying we need researchers, we need better information. We also need to be able to invent the future of health and wellbeing. What should it look like? So the village itself um, is going to work because we are all going to be housed under one roof. Mm -hmm. We have creatives in this building. People are creating not only um, 
robotics, uh, apps, we're talking about artificial intelligence, but at the same time we've got the community coming in and contributing to what it should look like. So we're not just doing it for them, we're yes. doing it with mm-hmm. them. So it's a community building, but at the same time it will have some of the greatest minds in there that will also enable researchers to bump into a person with a disability. Yeah. So if we're going to be looking at how else we can support people, researchers often stay, you know, in their office or in their in their re, you know yes, area. In the area, mm-hmm. and that tends they tend to stay um, very focused on what they're doing, and they're creating some amazing things. But then, how do we translate that so that people actually take up all these great research that we found about aging well? Yeah. So yeah, Vitality Village is. An incubator, in a way. It's a super incubator, we're calling it. Yes. Um, we don't like the traditional incubator term because it refers to startups. So yes. I don't know if you know much about startups. We are established businesses. Yes. Incubating. Coming together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the Fantastic. key difference. Yes. And their timeline on this project? Um, we are digging the soil. It starts February. Yes. So 20th of February, I think, is our start date to start building. And February 21, we will be um, up and running. Um, however, in June this year, the virtual village begins. Okay. We actually have already got a lot of partners that have signed up to join us, and we're going to work on um, some wicked problems. So for people that don't understand what a wicked problem is, it's big problems that are impossible to solve. Okay. And so we're going to choose some wicked problems to work on, and from there, by the time it's open, we would love to be able to see... Um, improved services or a product created that we scale globally. So it's about working on things locally that are global issues, yes. but then scaling and taking it to the world. Yes. And and what kind of job opportunities is the Vitality Village going to bring? So many job opportunities. It's not funny. Because the villages are going to collaborate on projects, we're going to be very front-footed mm-hmm. in our approach to growing our business. Yeah. So businesses that go into the village have the now this opportunity to create project plans in advance, pilot them, research them to prove that this actually works, giving them the strength to be able to either apply for funding or grow their business to a specific market. Yeah. With that, that's going to create jobs. Yes. So jobs will be in the creative industries, disability, aged care, youth, um, there'll be jobs in the village themselves because a lot of small businesses are going in mm-hmm. and they're going to be mentored to yes. help them accelerate and grow. Yeah. Um, also, the biggest thing for us is how do we get it to generate an income? So commercialization of products yeah. that can be scaled very easily. And we've got partners in the US and we're, um, we're, we're looking at partners all over the world yeah. to scale. Wow, that's really fantastic news. And if uh, listeners are looking to find out more about the Vitality Village, where should they go to? Go to our website, which is vitalityvillage.com.au, and that will give you a little bit of information because it's very brand new, but there is an expression of interest to then make contact, um, and I'm happy to speak to people directly. Um, I think I did 200 meetings last year. Um, <laughs> What's a couple more? A couple more? <laughs> no, that's great, Peter. Thank you. Um, so I'd just like to turn our discussion now to leadership because this is obviously something that, uh, well, one of the reasons that we've been really interested to, to talk to you in our podcast. Um, you're a young leader, you're female, and you, you've taken various organisations, you know, to, to great heights, um, you know, under your leadership. So can you share some of the, the greatest challenges and the greatest triumphs that you've experienced on your journey so 
far? Um, one of my biggest challenges, I guess, uh, I guess there was for me often uh, I dream really big mm-hmm. and then I pursue really, really large projects. Yeah. And I, I remember my board, even you know the different board of directors, mm-hmm. often saying, that's not going to happen. How is that possible? What are we doing doing this? This is really out there. And, um, and then they would let me know afterwards that I, not only did I achieve that, I achieved more than that. And so the challenge has always been taken a bit seriously. <laughs> we're yes. building a village. Yes. We're going to you know, grow across Queensland and we're going to whatever it may be, it was always quite large. It never was, uh, and it was always came from a space of wanting to help community. Uh, and now that's why we're looking at village because it's vitality village because it's a global impact. Yeah. So that was my biggest challenge is getting people to actually take me seriously mm-hmm. because of that. Um, the beauty of it is, and I've learnt this, that it's actually okay to work on projects that seem really um, out of reach. And often that the amazing new things that have come into the world have come when you thought this isn't, is not possible. Mm-hmm. It's, that's been my biggest lesson until now. Every time I'm a bit scared about something new that I'm doing, I will actually remember that. It's because if I'm not uncomfortable, I'm not doing anything amazing. And it's okay to be That's uncomfortable. Great yeah, great advice. And I've heard you speak before about, um, you know, the importance of being a leader, you know, that that is very authentic um, and that, you know, there's trust and care and connectivity with the people that you work with and, uh, and collaborate with. So with those qualities obviously aren't rocket science, but it's amazing the number of organisations that maybe don't have leaders that are doing all of those things so what's your advice to people that might be moving into more leadership positions as to how they can maybe take on board some of those qualities uh, so that they can also lead really successful teams I wish somebody had spoken to me when I was younger about this leadership advice that you're asking for right now uh, and that is curating how what you listen to who you speak to who you're around I mean, it's, it, like I said, it's nothing new. But often we're in there trying to do a really amazing job, you know, to support a company to grow, or we're trying to, you know, um, get up the, you know, onto the top of the ladder at a business. Instead, start to actually really be focused on yourself. And in that means learning something new all the time. I often won't go to a conference, but instead I'll go straight to a company that's already doing what it's doing really well and learn from them, mm-hmm. and that enables me to learn faster and it enables me to uh, grow as well and change my leadership style to suit what I'm doing at the time. Mm-hmm. So curating, curating your life more, around, you know, starting your day with what is it that's going to help me achieve that? Well, I need to know this, this and that, and I listen to it. I then, yeah, visit different companies. And they'd be amazed at how many leaders will give up their time. Mm-hmm. Like Leanne Kemp is an amazing, uh, is our chief entrepreneur yes. for Queensland. And, and I try not to ask her too many things, you know, for requests. But yeah. I, I sent her a message only this morning, yesterday in su- supporting me in something. She's just She's got the knowledge there. Why am I spending all this time and underestimating, you know, what could happen instead Go directly to some incredible human beings and they will give you their time. Yeah. 
regardless of how busy they are. Yes. And I suppose something that comes into that sometimes is having the confidence to approach someone who has some really valuable lessons. Do you have some insights into how you've done it in the past where you have felt a little uncomfortable about it, but you've managed to actually go, no, I, I need to speak to this person, otherwise I'm not going to learn. Absolutely. How would you approach that? Well, that exact same thing did happen to me with um, Leanne Camp when I was in her office. Okay. I was completely awkward. I was determined to be able to ask her to see if she could give me some mentoring. And I'm, I'm sure she still shook her head and laughed at me. And, and I sort of did it in a real, I don't know if you know, the English way where you're apologising all the yes. time. I'm so sorry, but if you can't, but that's okay. And <laughs> I think it's a very female thing too. Yes, yes I'm yeah. definitely not direct. Yeah. So I'm not a good example of someone that does it, but I actually worked myself up to say that this was going to happen today regardless of how awkward I was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I was extremely awkward. And then she gave me her mobile number <laughs> and, and she said, I don't do this sort of thing. <laughs> and it was really, really uh, cool. Yeah. Um, and, but I've been really mindful not to overuse that no. either as no. well because, again, I know how busy I am in the role that I that I have. So someone in her position that travels so much. Yes. So I will say do it anyway regardless of how awkward you're going to look. But be direct in what you're actually trying to achieve out of that Absolutely. And then I did even end it with either that or be my BFF. Yes, yeah, one or the other. One or the other. So I had to throw something funny in there and that's what I do when I'm really uncomfortable. I try and be funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yes, so, so you've got to work out the best way authentic. to get what you need. It's being authentic. Absolutely. I'm awkward. I'm nervous. That's who I am. And genuine people will lap that up. Yes. And you, you were uh, mentioning earlier about, I suppose, the approach that you've had with your children and, you know, one of the, the best lessons that you, you've given them is just about being, being a good person deep down. And... They're obviously going on to do some really fantastic things, you know, in in their own right. They're doing very well. Um, Why do you think being a good person at the end of the day is at the crux of being successful, uh, you know, in in every aspect of your life? We put so much pressure on ourselves and on our children often to, you know, go to this school, this is the right school, this is the right university, this is the right path, you know, whether, you know, dentistry is the way you should go, it makes a ton of money. I remember my parents trying to give me their advice as to which, what I need to get into. So when we're doing too much of that, people, I think children in particular, but just all of us, we need to take that off. We need to take that pressure off ourselves. We cannot really understand what our true purpose is unless we start taking the pressure of what we think we need to be. Yes. How do we? How are we ever going to hear that? Yeah. Um, and I did a meditation uh, when I was starting the Vitality Village mm-hmm. concept, and I thought, what do I need? And I, the meditation I asked, what do I need to achieve my goal? And the message that came back to me took about fifteen minutes. Um, was the authentic self. And then I asked a sort of a secondary question, so how do I do that? And I have to, you have to go back to when you were your younger self before any influences. And that's what I think that message does. Mm-hmm. It gets rid of all of the messages that we've had in our life, television, 
parents. I'm sure I've given them some bad advice as well, <laughs> but I always own up to it. In amongst there, I'm sure there's been a lot of great lessons. So, yes, yeah. And, and um, you ha- have also mentioned that you're very passionate about um, inspiring and helping young women to reach their goals. Um, can you tell us some of the, I suppose, a, a story or two about some of the women that you've helped along the way and why is it so important to you? Yeah, well, I've had a couple of females. Um, one that I was mentoring and um, she was doing an incredible job with her career, but it wasn't her ultimate passion or purpose. And I could see that. And we met on a regular basis and, but you know, you couldn't, you can't push them sooner than they want to mm-hmm. move. Um, and just getting her to see that it's okay to pursue the, something you love over something that just is paying well and you're good at. Yeah. They're two different things. Um, and it, it's fantastic because she ended up, now she's got her dream job mm-hmm. and she's absolutely loving it. Um, another um, amazing uh, young woman is someone that works for me here and recently we had a position um, come up which would have meant obviously a promotion for someone and she applied and she did an amazing job in the interview and I saw her in the kitchen to congratulate her when she actually received it. Even though she didn't have all the experience that was required, mm-hmm. she was willing to learn. Um, I pulled her aside and I could, just wanted to give her a heart-to-heart chat because often as women we will say, okay, this is a big step for me to apply for this position and we stop there. Mm-hmm. We never go beyond that. So I, I sort of stopped, grabbed her, congratulated her and then just said that, continue to want to do more just like you just did there I was so proud of you you know gave her that pep talk and I said I just want to remind you of where I started I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years probably ready to work at Woolies part-time because I had to fit in with the kids hours and and now look at where I am and my potential is still so big so take that with you and I just saw something in her eyes light up and, and I feel that that will take her. Whether it does or not, it doesn't matter. I'm right. sure it will. I'm sure it will because it, it, it's so important and so valuable to have really, you know, to have cheerleaders or yeah. people that see something in ourselves that perhaps we don't see. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's that's really fantastic that you you are so focused on helping other people to get to where they don't quite understand they could be yet, yeah, where they could be, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and also, I suppose, for for working mums or for women looking to get back into the workforce mm. after a, a time out, um, it's obviously a really difficult thing to either return sort of part-time or, you know, be out of the workforce for a number of years and then take the leap back in. Yes. And what were the, what were the things that worked best for you uh, in regaining that confidence to, to take that step? So something I did have with me all the time is I was very bold and direct. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying, okay, I can do this position, um, however, this is what I require to do it well. So I sort of gave them some parameters around what I could do. And then when I did well and they wanted me to go full-time, I said, well, I'd like to move the office to my house. Mm -hmm. So not everyone has that luxury, but if you think about it, we're often too worried or scared. Once you're in there and you prove your value, people will do things for you. They understand being a mother is not easy, juggling you know, being a parent and, and working. 
So uh, that's the advice I would say is definitely look at what suits you yes. and don't be scared to actually ask. As long as it works for the company. Yes. I mean, it worked for that company that I you know, worked from home for so long. And when my kids were older, I then had the office environment. Yes. And I, you know, and I adapted and they adapted. Yeah. No, and, and, I, and I really do want you know, young women or women that just are going back to the workforce not to consider what... Um, everybody else, like, is their what do their husband need? What is their or, or partner, I should say, or their children? What would be best for their children? I wished I hadn't done that. Yeah. I wished I thought, what would suit me? Yes. And then I made everything work around me. Yes, yeah, that's really, really interesting advice. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of parents looking at returning to work, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, face those challenges every day. So that's yeah. really, really fantastic advice. So speaking of advice, what's the best? Uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, that, that if I'm not doing something that's uncomfortable, I'm not working on something amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Um, anything you'd do differently if you had your time again? I wish I curated more of my life when I was younger mm-hmm. and um, being able to really, you know, start my meditation practice, my movement practices, I diarise every day. I write my grateful journal. All the things that I do now, I'm finding my job, you know, is more relaxed because of it Mm -hmm. and I'm also enabling what goes in, what I'm learning. I think I could be where I was, where I am today, much faster. Not that there was an urgency around it, but, yeah, it would have have helped iron out a lot of the problems that I went through as I was growing any business. Yeah. Do you think that those, I suppose, those things that you've learnt along the way, would they have had as much impact if you knew them all at the start or do you think that they have more impact because you've actually found out what works for you by going through that journey? I think a combination of both. If I had those practices, I still you still learn while you've got those practices. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning now every day even with those. I think it just would have enabled me to not work so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we work way too hard. We give so much of our time. And it, it sets boundaries so that you look after you. And I know when I'm I'm stronger when I started to look after me, yeah. and I achieve more when I looked after me. And we, you know, we know that. And I think if I had done that when I was younger, it wouldn't have just been about learning what I've learned now. I would have still had similar challenges. Yes. I just wouldn't have burnt out at the time that I did burn out. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think that for a lot of people. It takes burnout to take uh, to make change. Yes. Um, so it, yeah, it's unfortunate that a lot of people get to that point before yes. actually instilling you know better behaviours and habits. It, with your meditation and your diaries and things like that, what made you get into that uh, that type of routine? Well, I started to want to put myself first. So it started from wanting to be in that space. So I started doing my research and. Um, and I've always done a little bit of meditation, but never on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just thought if I start something, I need it to be regular. I want to see the impact it actually has. So being able to journal, you know, what my intentions are for the day or my intentions are for the year. And and I started to add all these extra practices and I saw the benefits really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And I actually gave each of my children for Christmas a, a journal this year and I call it the Book of How. And I said, I want you just to write 
questions in there. I don't necessarily want you to answer it. So how do I, and then follow it with something. And every time I write how, the answers come very easily to me. And when you do meditation, answers will come more easily. So I started to actually see the benefits on it, the benefits of it. And uh, so, yeah, it did start from a space of how do I look after me. Yes. Very important. Yeah. I think that um, many of our listeners will take away lots of different things from what you've said. So thanks so much for your time, Fida. Thank you. We look forward to seeing uh, where Comlink and the Vitality Village come to in the coming years. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. been a pleasure.